The Bible Study Podcast, episode 124. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke chapter 12. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Sorry for missing a week, but I was sick last week and didn't have the voice for it. We left off in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, so we'll pick up with a section called Watchfulness. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It would be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so Jesus is talking here already about his coming again. Jesus has not yet died, resurrected, and ascended, but he's already getting them looking forward to the coming of the Son of Man, and he's saying it will be like a thief in the night. He's saying that there won't be a lot of warning and that we need to be ready. We need to live our lives in a state of readiness for his coming. I don't think that means that we live our lives with suitcases packed and doing nothing else, but we live our lives in a way that is consistent with the return of Jesus. We live our lives like the good servant about our master's business so that when he comes back, he finds us doing what he asked us to do. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming, and then begins to beat the man's servants and maidservants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day that he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will, and does not get ready, or does not do what his master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. This is a section that talks about responsibility. This is a section that says we have been put in charge of many things. And because we have been put in charge of many things, because we have been given many gifts, because we have been given many possessions that are not ours but are God's, that much is expected from us. Did you notice here in the second paragraph, there are two servants who are doing the wrong thing. One who knows his master's will and one who doesn't know his master's will. And in that analogy, the one who knows his master's will will be held to a higher accountability because he knows better. Let's say you left your kids when you went away for a trip and they were old enough to do so, you left an older one and a younger one. When you came back, if there were trouble, you would probably hold the older one to a greater account because they were old enough to know better. They were the one who was left in charge. 
and that's similar to what this is saying here is that those to whom much is given much will be expected now one context that we can't lose sight of here is that one of the things that jesus that god holds most dear is the church is the people of god and so therefore I think especially we need to look at this and say that those who are put in positions of responsibility within the people of God, those who are ordained, those who are elected for whatever reason who have positions of responsibility, that is a specific group that much has been given, much will be expected because there is a special responsibility there for what are you doing with the stewardship of God's people. But I don't think it's any less for those who've been given children, for those who've been given a job, for those who've been given a warm and dry place to live, for those who've been given resources. We're all going to be held accountable for how we have been stewards of the things that we have been given, just as the servants in these stories are held accountable when the Master returns. Sometimes when we talk about Jesus' second coming, we get caught up in Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth, signs of the times, what does this sort of thing mean? And this is probably one of the more important chapters that talks about the second coming of Jesus because it deals with the important things. And the important things are you don't know when it's going to happen. You won't know when it's going to happen. You have to be ready at all times. And ready means being about your master's business at all times, in all circumstances, living as if it mattered. And that's really probably the most important lesson about the second coming is don't get caught up in prophecies, don't get caught up in predictions, but focus on what matters and what matters is doing the job we are sent to do. And Luke continues, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This is an odd section here because we certainly know Jesus as one of his titles is Prince of Peace. So how can it be that he's coming not to bring peace but division? One of the things we've already seen in the study of Luke is that there's numerous places where we talk about you're either for or against. And Jesus requires a decision. Jesus comes with these claims of who he is, that he is the Son of God, that he is the only way to the Father, that are not compatible with a lot of other ways. They're not compatible with a lot of other decisions. And so if we really understand Jesus, we have to accept him or reject him. And I think that this is just the reality here. Jesus is just saying this is what's going to happen, that it will cause division as the word about Jesus gets out. Does that mean we should not tell people about Jesus because we should not cause division? Well, certainly not. But Jesus is just saying that some people will decide for him and some will not. And notice that this is in a context of Jesus looking forward into the future. Not looking forward to, as in, with great joy, a baptism he has to undergo. And I think what he's talking about here is his crucifixion. 
I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is complete. So Jesus is looking at the price that he will pay at this point, and looking past that to how we will react. And Luke goes on here and closes the chapter with these words. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourself what is right? Are you going with your adversary to the magistrate, trying hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison? I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So Jesus is talking here about interpreting the times. Can you see what is going on? This is a pivotal moment in history that's about to happen here. Jesus is coming and claiming to be the Son of God. And the people will crucify him. And he will be resurrected and ascended. And I want to read one more story, which is the next section, which is the beginning of chapter 13, because I think it's related to this section. Now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish." Or those eighteen who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree, planted his vineyard, and went to look for fruit on it, did, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. Both that ending of chapter 12 and this start of chapter 13 deal with time is short. Chapter 12, why don't you on the way to the magistrate solve your problem with the person who is your adversary? Don't you realize that time is short? When you get to the magistrate, you may be found guilty. So figure it out. Chapter 13, like this fig tree, time is short. The whole section here from the beginning that we started with today till now is saying that live life in a way that is worthy of the calling. Don't just be using up the soil like this fig tree. The man looks at this fig tree and says... It needs to bear fruit or it is a waste of space. Our lives are called to be useful and fruitful. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Catch me on Twitter at twitter.com slash x And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hey, 
there, it's Carly Mercouli, your host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.